Welcome to Interverse Podcast, Season 2, Episode 7. Today I'm talking to Clint Culberson again. Anyone that's been around since the uh, earlier days of the show, earlier days like earlier this year, <laughs> they might remember Clint. I did, I think, Episode 10 with him back in Season 1, and I'm sure we'll do a ton more episodes in the future. Clint is my psychedelic brother, and... I don't know why we call each other that, other than we're both really into psychedelia and we talk about metaphysics and higher concepts. And I don't know, we might actually be brothers in some weird way because people tell me we look a little bit alike. We definitely act similar in our interests and, um, I don't know, the way we relate to people. Clint is kind of a huge role model of mine, so I love getting to talk to him. Clint is the guy behind lordsofconsciousness.com. Uh, I'm going to link to that, of course, and their YouTube channel's actually got a part one of the conversation we're having right now where he interviews me for his show. So, you know, check that out if you want to hear me talk more. He asked me some personal stuff, and we kind of talk about the source of human creativity, so it's sort of like an extension on the Interverse episode. It really feels like it. Uh, Check that out if you want. I want to tell you I really appreciate that you're watching this or listening to this, whatever you're doing. Thank you so much. Only do it if you like it. If it's not enjoyable, definitely stop. (laughs) Uh, And if it is enjoyable, or you think someone else would enjoy it, share this shit with anybody that you can. Sharing the show is basically the the number one way you can help it out right now. I don't want to ask anybody for money for this. (laughs) Maybe someday I'll get some sponsorships going. By the way, if you really wanted to sponsor the show... I would be totally down to work out a deal where you share it a lot and uh, I plug your cool company in at the introduction or something. So, you know, hit me up if you want to do that. Other than that, I love you guys. There's not a whole lot else to say. Um, enjoy Christmas or the holidays or whatever is going on right now. Watch out for the sugar. I'm going to be getting annihilated by it personally. Unless I'm really careful, which is rare. So wish me luck with that. Um, Don't get sick. Eat your vegetables. Be nice to each other. I love you all. And I'm going to get on to talking to Clint now. Enjoy the episode.
everybody. Welcome back to the show, Clint Culberson. <laughs> Clint is the host of the Lords of Consciousness podcast, which, by the way, I just did an episode of. So if you want to hear the beginning of our talk, uh, part one, so to speak, go over to the Lords of Consciousness podcast or just look for the link on the page here or, you know, you'll find it. Yeah. Yeah, you'll find it on YouTube. On YouTube, Lords of Consciousness subscribe to the channel and check it out. I mean, we have, that's where we have all our interviews from like podcasts that we do like this over the internet or uh, some of our live interviews that we do like at festivals. We just recently we're in New Mexico at the Unify Fest, got some really cool interviews with guys like Mick Dodge from, you know, National Geographic and Whoa. also Mike Love, Mike Love's music. If you guys know Mike Love out there, we got really amazing interview with him. The guy's just, the most beautiful soul geez what band is he in again uh his mike love he's a reggae he's a he's a he, he's his own band it's just his his own own band. cool yeah. i've been on a big yeah. reggae kick lately yeah man it's, it's it's like the music of my soul man so yeah everybody definitely go check out clint's work at lords of consciousness not just clint either uh other there are a lot of content content contributors over there absolutely but, you know his videos with artists or musicians uh you'll get a really good in-depth look uh, and really quickly cutting straight to the core of, you know, what makes them tick, why they like to do what they're doing. You're going to see what they're doing and you'll be blown away with some of the people they've talked to, especially if you've never heard of some of these characters before. My favorite one is the Chris Dyer interview, which is from way back. Yeah. That was the very first interview. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, what a cool experience to have Chris Dyer as your, to pop your cherry in a sense. It's amazing. It's really like a, a message from, above in a sense like hey you're you're on the right track here's your first opportunity synchronicity and that that's something that i like to try to talk about on the show and i think you could really uh shed light on that how I, okay you've got an idea there's something you want to something you want to bring into the world create um do and you don't know how to get from point a to point b though you know like how do i become this media outlet that is lords of consciousness like how did clint get there well you actually just take one step at a time and uh, then all of a sudden these things are going to happen that you could not have planned for, but that will give you all the fuel you need to get really moving fast. And um, you can't, I can't promise what those synchronicities will be, but every person I've ever talked to that's set forth into something creative, even though at some points they've hit struggles and slowdowns, um, almost always people seem to tell me that there's like this real beginner's luck that happens. And, uh, yeah, God's like smile upon you for showing up. Well, the quote that will be on my gravestone is is Terrence McKenna's "Nature Rewards Courage," and it's because I find it to be at least in my journey of the last five years, especially, um, it's just been my my battle cry in a sense. It's been the thing that that really put to the test and over and over and over, it it, it proves itself to be valid and true. You know. And nature really is looking to evolve us. And, and if, I mean, evolution works on in the natural world, no different, you know, it will reward the, it will reward the, the animals that are the most courageous, you know, the hunter who, who, who does the most courageous things tends to eat the most and tends to procreate the most. And you can take that and span that out over all, all over the natural world. And, it's no, and we are a part of the natural world as well. And it's so true, you know, when you feel those callings in your, in your heart and your mind to, to, you know, to go for it, even though you're scared as hell and you don't have the experience seemingly, 
if you, if, if you're feeling that call, like it's, that means you're ready to at least take the first step. It doesn't mean you're ready for step 50 or step 1000. So often we, you know, you, you and me were talking, it's like in the, in our, in the last interview, um, uh, just that idea of, you know, you want a lot of subscribers and you want people to listen to what you're doing and you start, you, you want to be, you know, you want success right away. And it's like, it's such a, when you start, when you, when you put your focus on that, that's when you spin your wheels, you know, that's when you just, you get overwhelmed and you crash and burn and it's just taking it one step at a time. You know, life is life. People say life's short, but life's long too, to be honest with you. We do, we live a long ass time and we're one of the longest living species on this planet. So we, uh, you know, we have time, be patient, you know? And who's to say you're not going to live more after you're done with this body? Yeah, man. Nobody knows. Well, some people think they know, and they have maybe even personal experience that, mm-hmm. uh, that they can back it up with, but that's all subjective, so no need to worry about it. Just do what you can in the moment, right? Well, plus it's just fun. Honestly, it's so much fun. I find life to be like a video game, and each dragon that comes your way that you need to slay, you know, whatever the, you know, whatever the uh, um, metaphor you want to use for it, but it's just fun, actually, you know, just going after what you seemingly were afraid, seemingly were afraid of. And, and it couldn't rip you to shreds. It wouldn't be so awesome when you beat it. Like, exactly. Like if you're just fighting little Goombas all day and you never even lose half of a point of health bar, that's a boring game and you're not going to play. Boring, man. So I know. The best games are like the ones where you're like, I remember playing the original Legend of Zelda back in like the late 80s and everyone was stuck on the level seven because we couldn't figure out even how to find it until like somewhere on Nintendo Power came out and, you know, it said blow the whistle at this one lake and the staircase will appear, you know, it was, but it was so much fun. Like our whole neighborhood couldn't figure out how to, you know, how to get, find this level. And it was like, we were all struggling at it at the same time. And, even though that seemingly was frustrating, it was like, I look back on it with fond memories. If we're all like some kind of uh, divine supreme creator being that is actually one, but we've divided into multiple for some reason, that's mm-hmm. a pretty good reason. Like, well, it's so we can try every damn thing and see what works. Sometimes you got to blow a whistle by a lake and then the secret stairs will appear. But, you know, you're not going to know unless you blow your whistle. <laughs> blow it everywhere. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> get a magic staircase just from playing your music that's a whole yeah it's like it's like just getting in the game of your own life you know be a participant get off the sidelines quit be, quit letting your life just happen to you and realize it's all happening for you as wayne dyer is so famous for saying and it's if you live by that and you get in on just get on the field even if you're the worst guy on the field just it's you're, you're, you're better off being out there than just sitting on the sidelines, you know, with your Sunday, your Monday morning quarterback on your life, you know, Oh, I would have done it like this. I would have done it like that. Well, what are you fucking doing? What are you fucking doing? You know, we always want to talk about everyone else's life. What are you doing? And that's when you start, when you start getting in your own life, you start realizing you're not looking at everyone else's life all the time. Judgmental, you know, those, that judgmental protocol that we go through only because we're upset and we're, we're frustrated about our own inaction. I think it comes from a lack of doing anything hard. I, in my life experience, I found that I actually have gone huge stretches of time without being challenged at all. And mm-hmm. 
and where's the growth? Well, I wasn't growing much there either. And I'm in a position now, and really for most of my life, where challenges are all self-imposed and um, I would get annoying challenges that I didn't realize I was creating for myself and that was hellish and not fun. Uh, and I had come to really understand the wisdom and like what, say, the St. Joe Rogan talks about when he says, be the hero of your own movie and he says, uh, mm-hmm. and he says do hard things. What he's talking about is that if you on purpose put yourself through difficult experiences and train your ability to focus and push through that kind of stuff, um, it's going to make all the other regular parts of life seem very, very easy by comparison. For me lately, I've been rock climbing, which I think I've brought up on the show before a couple of times, but like like you were saying, even if you're the worst guy on the field, get out there. Whenever I was first climbing, I was definitely maybe not the worst person in the world, but I was not good at it was doing the easiest routes and and uh barely able to hold on and now here i am three or four months later and i'm still by like by far not the best but every time i go in i, I get a little little bit better like even if it's one move farther on the wall like one hand further than before it's um it's been a really awesome way to exercise my my uh ability to feel challenged and to respond to challenges and because, you know, whenever you don't have that tendency or you're not training yourself to do that, then whenever a challenge does come up and I would do this, I would just say, ah, fuck it and not do it. Especially right. with, like creative endeavors or trying to make something happen. Even with like the podcast before I started climbing versus after I started climbing, I've found myself a lot more likely to solve my problems rather than have problems. It, uh, man, it's, it's crazy how many people, it's crazy how many people won't, uh, won't try something because they're afraid that they're just not good enough at it. You know, it's like, I'm not going to try to play a sport until I'm good at it. It's like, well, <laughs> you know, well, you're going to be waiting a long time, you know? And, you play. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I had the cool opportunity of living in France for two years and learning the French language. And one thing that I found, especially with languages is so many people feel self-conscious about you know, sounding like a retard, basically, yeah. you know, like, you know, bonjour, je m'appelle Clint, you know, and that's, if that's where it starts, then that's where it starts, you know, and you gotta, you gotta be willing to make a fool of yourself. You might say to someone something, you know, especially with languages, there's different, you know, some words sound the same and one of them could be something, you know, something terrible. And, you know, you might be, some natives might laugh in your face, just, you know, not laugh, at you but just it's just funny you know i mean we're forgiving of when a foreigner says something silly and yet we're so many of us were i remember being there like some of the people some of the americans were afraid to afraid to really just let it go you know and those are the ones that didn't learn the language as well the ones who are just willing to just look like a fool they learned the language well that's interesting uh you just gotta it's just trial and error it's pretty basic like anybody that got good at something sucked at it first with uh, very few exceptions and even people that are naturally pretty good at something are still very like nobody is a grand master the second that they start doing something that's for sure so no. speaking of um you know starting something new when you probably don't suck at this but you've started a new venture with permaculture am i right yeah so i have you know it's i've i've been looking like where I've been searching in my own self, like where I'm going to be headed in terms of my own career, you know, like how am I going to provide for myself and my family in the most optimal way where, 
you know, we're providing, providing is, is one thing. And not only do I satiate that, but I also satiate my purpose, my actual purpose of being and my life's journey and so on and so forth. And I've been in landscaping for most of my life. You know, even when I, even when I was in the corporate world for about seven, eight years, uh, it was, I was still kind of in the landscape world, but more from like a white collar perspective, you know, dealing, and dealing with corporate customers and so on and so forth. Um, but I've all, always had like a true year, like desire to be around plants and trees. I've always been a lover of nature. I grew up in Southern New Jersey uh, for my first 14 years of life. And, you know, we grew up on two acres, forested acres, you know, and my neighbors all had forests in there. And we were, I, I feel like I had like a Huck Finn, Tom Sawyer kind of lifestyle hanging out in the woods. And it's always just been there. And, and I'm starting a new venture now, getting to that point. Uh, called Gar- uh, Galaxy Gardens out here in, in, the Air- in Phoenix, Arizona area. Um, and basically what I want to do is I want to install gardens in people's backyards. You know, I have a lot of experience, in, you know, in, in ornamental landscapes uh, for, for commercial properties or residential properties. And now I want to, uh, I've, I've really just, and it's something that I've been studying a lot over the last couple of years and I've done my own gardening a lot. Um, and it's to bring the power of food production into your own backyard to, to really be striving for more sustainability in terms of producing for yourself, like getting back to so often we have such a disconnect from like our food in terms of where it's come from and, you know, and, and our, and our work and so doing and getting it to the plate, you know, we live in this world of specialization where, you know, we know how to do our one task, but everything else, it's like, it's crazy how our society has been just so disconnected. Don't even know where tomatoes come from. What does a tomato plant look like? And a lot of people don't even know, and it's not their fault. I don't blame them. It's just a part of where our culture has kind of sort of gone down a wrong turn and needs to come back. And I want to really bring uh, that's that back to people and bring nature, that, that connection to nature again, back to people and their participation in it. And a part of that, it will be, uh, um, uh, a rainwater harvesting systems also and the power that collecting our own rainwater can have and the power of that live water. You know, I call it live water because it's water direct rainfall has so much filled with, with minerals and it hasn't been bleached out by our city systems. You know, the only way we can drink a lot of this water is because we we basically, you know, can't give it a chemical bath. And, and in so doing, though, it, 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 it kills all microorganisms, you know, and, and rainwater um, is just so much more healthier for our plants. And by collection, collecting that, capturing it right from our roofs, it's amazing what 1,500 square foot roof can collect in just one inch of rain. We're talking thousands of gallons of water that we can collect. And, you know, part of my passion too is really to, I mean, I'm not trying to get into like the prepper lifestyle. I mean, I don't want to live. The one thing I don't like about the prepper lifestyle is it's kind of predicated on, on fear. And so I try to stay away from that. Although there's nothing wrong with being prepared. I mean, there's, it, it is, it is, it's very important to be prepared. I'm not saying the whole thing is, you know, I'm trying to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but I want a better word. What's that? I think like survivalist is a little bit better word. Yeah. And, and even that, like survivalist, there's one, there's one thing to be a survivalist, but, and that's important, but let's with the goal of becoming a thrivalist. Yeah. Know? Better word. 
let's 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 really focus on how can we thrive you know not to be afraid of the government or the grocery store shutting down that very well might happen i mean fuck look at the look at the events taking place on the planet today i mean i think a lot of us are starting to get a little uneasy and you start realizing like we're not we can't depend on some guy in the white house to fix this this problem for us they're I mean, I, I just, I've kind of lost faith in that system. And I, what I, and I think part of that is more just a call to come inward. Like I'm not, it's again, it's always this like dependency on an external savior to come and save us from our problems and all woes. And, and, you know, I think a lot of religion is based on that. And I think that the falsity behind that is that, you know, even the second coming of Christ really to me is, is something that's, that is unfurled within you know, I mean, whatever we're looking for some guy to j- come down from the heavens when I think what what the book was trying to tell us is he he blossoms from within the, the Christ that's coming back is coming. You're you're the guy, dude. You're the you're the, you're the one we've been waiting for, as Nako says, you know. Yeah, uh, I completely, completely feel you on that, man. Like what I was thinking about when you're talking about permaculture was how kind of relating back to our conversation before about mm-hmm how what you put in really impacts what kind of life experience you have in terms of food and stuff. Uh, we, we as a society have more or less lost the metaphysical underpinnings that we were united through. Um, like there's no consistent mythological grounds that we all agree on and say, this is our source. This is what we're here for or any of that. And similarly, the majority of people in our country or in the world really don't have a line of sight with their consciousness from where their food got to their plate back to where it started. So like there's a disconnect somewhere in that chain between the energy that is creating you, which is your food, because that's literally what you're being made up of that uh, and the source of that. So it reflects the whole lack of connection to source within the individual internally. Mm -hmm. So the more that we can, the more that we can reconnect our awareness to source. And by that, I literally mean like trace everything back to the source The more in the more places we can do it, the more it's going to reflect back to us that self is the source. Self is the source. Self yeah. is the source. So whenever you are going through the process of gardening and getting your food holistically, organically and all that, yourself is the source there. Uh, you trust it. You can trust yourself. And you don't know where it came from and you're basically a terrorist to your own body well can you trust yourself no obviously not because you're putting terrible stuff into yourself and you even though the source of that is still yourself uh you just don't know the whole you've deceived yourself so many times that you don't know what it is anymore yeah all still the same thing still you at the end of the uh at the end of the chain so it's a matter of you deciding with intention and your consciousness to start building a new chain um from self or source to the present moment yeah and you know we do live in a physical world right at the end of the day to yes. keep, keep these cool bodies that we have these skin suits going it's we do have to be there are certain elements right like food yeah. water shelter okay and, and that's real i mean at the end of the day when you're starving, who gives a fuck about love, compassion, any of that stuff? Like, and I honestly feel like, and 
we have a lot of people in this world that are still stuck in the survival paradigm. So how can we expect them to, to find, you know, deeper levels of compassion and love towards their fellow man when they don't even have food to eat, man. They don't even have food to eat. And I know um, if anyone familiar with a guy named Matt Kahn, who's, um, he's got, a, you know, he's just a brilliant guy. And he talks a lot about that. He talks about, I mean, if we want to save the world, it has to start with making sure nobody, everyone has food and water. I mean, we can't, we can't go out to the, uh, the other, the, 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 the small branches of the tree until we have the trunk really accounted for. And honestly, it's, it's important that, I mean, maybe it's not even necessarily a hunger issue right now. Right. But it is, it is like, let's face it. Our food's been poisoned. Our yeah, waters it's, have been poisoned. It's, I mean, it's, it's we, we have to just face the facts. It's real. It's true. It's happened. I mean, industrial agriculture, is not sustainable. We are, we're, we're literally killing all the microbiology in the soil. Everything starts with the soil is what I'm finding in my own, in my own studies of permaculture. I've, you know, you've been at, you asked me what I've been up to. It's really been studying the power of permaculture and I'm all, I'm an amateur. I'm an amateur, but I'm still seeing what the, this power is in terms of understanding the natural worlds. And part of that is understanding that it does start in our soils and if we're, if, if, and then under the current models that we have, we have total disregard for the soil. We bleach everything out with fertilizers, we, with monoculture, uh, crops growing. Um, and it's not, it's, it's literally something that we can't do anymore. And we have to like tap the brakes, even though the vast majority of the food created right now comes from this system. But somebody has to start with, you know, start fixing that. And there is an answer. There's an answer. That's the cool thing. There is an answer. There's a way that we can work with nature to not only serve ourselves in terms of nourishing our bodies, but also living symbiotically with the natural processes that are already in place. Like all the other, all the other living world, we can live harmoniously with. It doesn't have to be us versus them. And I think over the last you know couple hundred years, it's been I don't know man's journey to conquer nature, and I understand that. I mean, God, when a saber toothed tiger would come and eat your kid, there's uh, on some level you'd be like, I gotta fucking figure this situation out, you know? And it's gonna it's me versus this saber toothed tiger. I gotta figure out a way to protect myself, or you know, and you, when you're starving, you want to like not starve anymore, and you're gonna figure out how to grow the most food possible. And maybe you go down some bad paths, especially when, you know, it, everything is a reflection of the, the inner space, the inner verse, right? Mm. And uh, when most of humanity has kind of been spiritually imbalanced, then you're going to get an imbalanced agricultural system. You're going to get an imbalanced water management system, you know, an imbalanced forestry system. The fear of the uncertainty of the future, kind of like how we were talking in the previous episode about the, Sodom and Gomorrah thing and how mm-hmm. and Lot making the compromised choice because of fear of the future. That's what is causing a lot of uh, people's inability to make a switch is like they don't want to jump into the uncertainty of not something like gardening necessarily, but like let's talk bigger picture, like jump into the uncertainty of no longer working at their job at say, so you have a, you're a salesperson at Monsanto or something and like or you you work at a call center and you're selling shitty vacation packages to old people like whatever it is where's the where's the part of your life where you're 
taking advantage or preying on something to uh to benefit yourself and it's a compromise that you're making because you don't you don't you don't know what would happen if you didn't do it i right. tell you that you're only doing it to yourself you're not benefiting yourself whenever you um in some way put profit over the present moment and over compassion and each one of us is doing that in our life somewhere somehow oh yeah without a doubt man and, and we've it's an evolution i think you know especially the world that we live in it's not to say that just because you're selling insurance uh doesn't mean you know that you're not living some purposeful life or whatever it's an evolution you know and i think that we do have to survive we do have to pay the bills man at the end of the day we do have to kind of keep the lights on i mean the computers that we're using right now cost it some money I mean, it would be great if we lived in some, uh, you know, some gift economy of the future where everything is created from 3D printers, from material that is uh, eco-friendly, the whole deal. I mean, whatever the, the future will hold. Well, we're taking steps towards moving towards that. You know, people who are going to be living, there's going to be more and more people living purposeful careers, you know, and I, I'm starting to see not just myself, I'm start, I mean, I'm just emerging into it. I mean, I haven't made $1 yet doing what I want to do. Um, but I know it will come because I know this is stemming from, I mean, talk about what creativity is, like the, the, the deepest parts of yourself, you know, that, that channeling that comes out through your heart space of where you, you know, you, what you just love the most. And I, I can feel that that's where I'm doing this Galaxy Gardens is where this is coming from. But man, it's taken 37 years to get here. It took a whole lifetime of working in landscaping to figure out different methods. It took, I mean, and at the same time of me living my own life, over here, there's there's people learning permaculture. Permaculture has only been around for a couple of decades. You know, it's, I mean, the, 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 those methods and, and the methods that permaculture can bring to the world, uh, we can literally heal the earth again. And... One of the things I wanted to talk to you about, Chance, this is like this, because it's super psychedelic and you're my psychedelic brother, um, is this this vision that I've just been having uh, lately. And it kind of stems from this idea that Terrence McKenna talked about. And I know I talked a lot about Terrence McKenna, but it is what okay. He talks about the idea that animals, really, the purpose of animals is to be seed spreaders, you know, and it's kind of like this funny ha-ha plant joke, like plants are better than animals, ha-ha. And he means it in a, in a light way, but in many ways, it's, there is a true purpose for the animal kingdom uh, to be spreaders of seeds for the plant kingdom. And, and it's beautiful, man. It's cool. I mean, there's more purpose to it and they work, they work together, you know, I mean, animals help plants, plants help animals. It's symbiotic, the whole deal. But uh, taking this idea of seed spreaders, you know, um, I think one thing that we do as human beings is we separate ourselves from the natural world. It's the earth and then me, the human being, or the animals and then me, the human being, or the plants, me, the human being, so on and so forth. Always this idea of separation. I mean, even within the, the ecological advocacy groups, you know, sometimes we can have that tendency to think of us against the earth. When in reality, we are the earth. And in my personal spiritual beliefs, um, I would say that uh, I think this is, there is a guy in consciousness and the earth is a sentient being of epic proportions and that we are only the 
the unfolding of that consciousness. When a human being showed up on the planet, it was an evolution of a greater consciousness that's going on right here, right now. And it's, this planet is very much part of it. Does it go bigger than the planet? I'm sure it does. And I think it, definitely it does. But right there is the consciousness that is this planet. And there is the story that is going on here, the evolutionary story that's taking place. And I think the potential that, you know, Terrence McKenna talks about how the earth basically took a, a 50,000 year gamble to become, you know, an inter intergalactic uh, planet, you know, in terms of to be able to connect with other planets, other galaxies, you know, to go interstellar as a planet. Well, you're going to need maybe some, some to create something that can manifest that, right? And so within its own evolution, it creates these pink monkeys that are pretty damn smart and have cool fingers and thumbs and, you know, these real interesting characters. But also uh, a species that has like a free will that doesn't necessarily act within certain laws that, that most of the, the animal world and the plant world kind of fall into that obedience, if you will. And there's varying degrees of, you know, of mutation that takes place. But humans, I mean, now, now you're taking that on a different level. I mean, we, with our free will, we also not only, uh, you know, we can destroy the whole fucking thing, you know, and, or we could, and this is the part I want to get onto, is that we have the potential to be the, the most epic seed spreaders of all time, we have the ability to learn the natural patterns of this planet on every level. I mean, I think a deer understands the environment in which the deer lives in, but a deer doesn't have the ability to understand the depth, the deep, uh, deep oceans, for example. I mean, I, last time I checked, I haven't seen any deer hanging out in like scuba gear and advanced submarines, you know, but we have that possibility. Terrence just popped into my mind and gave me an idea. Speaking of Terrence McKenna, um, seed spreaders, right? So going galactic as a planet, what, what does that really mean? What, well, it means that we have the potential if we could get ourselves to another planet, we could terraform it, say, get to Mars, we could terraform it. So in a sense, if what we are is these platforms that are hosting the guy in consciousness in um, smaller units, it's essentially like we are monkey Mars rovers or Mars, we are Mars rovers, like we exist to, we, we send a signal back to our source that it contains the information that we're experiencing where we're at, and uh, that source is the same for everybody. Like there's yep. a bunch of rovers just sending data back, and then we're getting these intuitions, these ideas, these inspirations coming back to us from that source to, uh, you know, that makes us even have the crazy idea to try to go to places like Mars in the first place. Right. Right. I thought about the idea that Terrence gave to me, I should say, is that, um, you know, Earth, Earth is not the first planet to have done this. So I've right. created a being and sent it out to, and you don't need, you don't need to even be a believer in UFOs or the greys or any of that stuff uh, to, for this to be the case. Just look at spores. You can send spores through the vacuum of space and they survive and hit another planet and can start propagating. And so it's interesting that we have such a strong connection to my, um, the consciousness of the fungal kingdoms, to psilocybin, for example, how there's so much, so much 
almost camaraderie, mentorship that happens between that, that mind and the mind of the human that's ingesting the medicine. And I think it's because we're like, an, we're like the next version of, of what they are. Because what they, they can come onto a planet, they can terraform it by you know spreading the microbes and, and uh, changing the pH balance and the, the uh, molecular balance of the atmospheres and such. But what can we do? We can do a lot more than that. We can, you know, we can do all that and the kitchen sink. So we just have to like, I think we just have to come to grips with the fact that we are not these bodies. We are not needing to be attached to the story of Clint or the story of Chance or like what, what epic things happen to that person because the epic thing will be what we all do together, which is to, to restore the livelihood um, and the connection to nature of our species with our planet so that yeah. we can actually be that bridge between our, our world and other worlds, which is what humans were meant to be. And all that comes about by finding and bringing balance to situations in a way that a mushroom can't physically do. And like an example of that is very simple. And gardening is the perfect metaphor for the reality and for humans placing it. Because mm-hmm. I'd say a tree and you want that tree to survive, but then some vines start growing on it and choking out the tree. The tree can't do anything about that, but a human can walk up to it and easily remove those vines and fix the situation. So we have our awareness and our consciousness as such so that we can actually see the places where the imbalance is occurring and and solve that. Uh, So we can keep the harmony, keep the beauty, keep the complexity and keep the thing going. But if we, you know, lose sight, when we lose sight of that, we get the situation we've been in, which is this weird sleepwalking march into oblivion. Yeah. Well, thank goodness. So, um, you know, I think all mutation starts with one cell, you know, and then it starts to, you know, whatever that mutation starts self-replicating and so on and so forth. And the human species, you know, is, is doing the same thing. You know, it starts with a few and I'm, and I'm by no means saying that I'm even one of these, like, you know, first, like the first movers on the permaculture or something like that. Like I'm Johnny come lately, but yeah. And yet at the same time, I'm still like this, most people don't even know what that permaculture is. And I've never even heard of it. I mean, I've only recently started diving deeper into it and, and it's, you know, you talk about an ideal setup. Well, you talked about terraforming is, which is ironic because before we start terraforming uh, Mars, we're going to have to learn to terraform our own planet under the most oh, ideal God. circumstances. And we are able to do it. And it's, this is the, the beauty of it is not only, you know, we have the ability to not only like restore this planet back to like a, like a, a previous state of some, you know, guy in paradise. We actually, with us, with us, with the pink monkeys helping, we actually can, we can do, we can take nature and enhance it. We can actually, in fact, nature wants this. And when we live symbiotically with it, we can not only, you know, again, restore it, but we can make it even better than it was before. We can turn the deserts into oasises. We have the, the potential to do that. We have the potential to change climates and from a natural level, not from some, you know, fucking space machine that maybe the elites have or something, but we have the ability to store the data of what we're doing and learn from it and actually like not repeat mistakes also. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Nature gets nature oftentimes can get stuck in these destructive patterns in a sense where um, like not that it's necessarily out of whack, but just like the ecosystem around where I live, for example, is uh, constantly being 
beat down and ravaged by one type of natural disaster or another, whether it's a tornado or a flood or being frozen or a fire. And, um, you know, that's that pattern of destruction actually paves the way for the new life to come through and spring through and all that. But it is, you know, that type of cycle some people might actually point to and like say on a metaphysical level is actually representative of where we're at as a collective consciousness or mind. And that like, if we are the earth, then the, um, the earth itself having hiccups like tsunamis and earthquakes and natural disasters could actually be a corrective measure going on, trying to mm -hmm. balance within itself, just like a person coughs violently when they're sick. Like if you've got entire worlds within you, um, in terms of like of all the bacteria and stuff that's living there, then whenever you're having a spasm or a fever or any one of these things, it could be like fucking lava flows and earthquakes and tsunamis and death to these miniature worlds, you know, equivalent to, and it doesn't have to be little cities and stuff inside of you. It doesn't have to look like what you look like for it to actually some, um, you know, in a fractal sense, still be part of the same constellation. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny because with through 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 like these permaculture uh, techniques, I suppose, whatever you want to call it. I mean, really just understanding nature and trying to replicate what nature is already doing. That's basically what permaculture is, almost like bioengineering. And part of that would be to, you know, help help strengthen ecosystems to that can withstand some of these, you know, destructive patterns of nature, you know. When you think of what's going on, like in the Gulf, the Gulf of Mexico, some of those shorelines off of, uh, you know, Louisiana, that when those when the plants there, the, when the, when the plant life along the shoreline is in in healthy balance, it can withstand all the the water that comes. In fact, it doesn't even reach the city of New Orleans when there's that when that plant life there is 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 in place. And how easy would it be to just go and plant plants? Think about it, plants. Plants and trees self-replicate in total abundance. One tree, how many seeds come from one tree? Well, technically you could, and then granted most of those seeds don't germinate. They go through kind of a process of birds eating them, or maybe some of them fall in some shitty spots where there's no sun and well, oh well, you're not getting, you know, that seed's not going to germinate. Maybe only a couple germinate. But we, the, the, the psychedelic advanced seed spreaders known as the human beings, we can, with our care and with our stewardship, replicate these seeds anywhere we want, you know, through our care. And we could, we can, you can take one tree and turn it into a fucking thousand and you multiply that and multiply that as long as we just have the will to do it. Right. And we can. Because what those. you are is not just a seed spreader, but you are a seed too, because there's the spark of, cosmic universal consciousness within you that unfolds right. uh, as you express yourself through your creativity and through solving problems in your world. And like all of the, all the greatest inventions humanity has ever had came from the most dire need. The person that came up with it figured out what would be the most beneficial thing to mankind because they needed it themselves probably at the time. So like mm -hmm. that, apply that principle to your life and just try to start solving those problems in your life, the way Clint has guys, I think, uh, you know, start with a garden, start with trying to, or start with maybe helping a friend who has a garden. If you don't have a garden, you can find someone who's got one and work with them and they'll give you some food too. I bet just, uh, it's, it's all there for you to, to get into. Don't just be a seed spreader 
be, uh, you know, germinate the seed within yourself as well at the same time. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we've said this uh, many times. It's just that it's, you know, we, it's a, this life is like a reflection of what's going on inside of us. And, you know, let's, like you said, I mean, if you're, if you're out sowing seeds, then you're probably sowing seeds, you know, in the inner, in your inner verse again. I love, dude, your podcast name is so badass. Yeah. So perfect. But yeah, I mean, it I really is. not yours. <laughs> uh, you know, you asked me earlier, like, what does it actually look like? Like, what does a permaculture plan look like? And I'll, I'll say this. It's like permaculture one is from what I'm from again, from my limited understanding, there's guys that know like a billion times more than me. So maybe, but maybe my answer coming from an amateur and even though I'm an amateur, I'm still doing this business. Neophyte, you know? What's that? It's important to be in a position you're in, Clint, because you are a bridge between the people who were at the at the onset and hadn't started yet and where you're Perfect. at. Perfect. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Uh, this is coming from a guy who's just done a lot of studies, who's had a lot of landscaping background, who's had um, solid gardening experience, but in more traditional methods of race box gardening and not really paying attention too much to soil. And, uh, you know, permaculture really is a it's 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 you're not so much growing plants you're actually growing soil you're trying to make soil so that it starts there and again the fractal nature of the universe starting from all that little those little bugs and the, and the bacteria and the fungus that's growing in that soil that's, that's a, a like a like a good compost for example a compost that's made you know with the right amount of carbon the right amount of nitrogen combining together with all the right materials literally no weeds can grow in 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 the, in the right compost the weed seeds weeds are you know weeds are indicators of of soil conditions and when soil conditions are great like perfect when like nature's most perfect balance of soil no weeds grow i mean is that not a sign for us and so permaculture is, is a building up of the existing soils that we have. Most soils around the country, I mean, I live in the desert, so we have, you know, soil conditions that are stand, you know. But it doesn't mean that we can't repair that. We can't rebuild it. One time, Arizona was a, was, a, was a tropical jungle, you know, millions of years ago. So, you know, at one point in time, all over the world, every desert in the world used to be something else at one point. And we... so in, Anyway, I'll get back to this idea of, of what permaculture is before I jump on on the tangents of all of, you know, universe there. It's really a building up of the soil. And then it's also a sculpting of like the topography to, to, to capture the most amount of water as possible so that we're maximizing the water that comes, falls from the sky and bringing it to the area, to, to certain areas of wherever the property might be. And then in so doing, you capture, you be able to capture moisture, keep it there longer and grow incredible life from it. You know, life will come from water, you know, and if we, and especially like in places like Arizona, where we don't have that much water coming from the sky, we need to use it as much we need to use it in the most efficient ways possible. And so permaculture really focuses on, you know, that trap capturing the water, soil life, and then also really food forests in a sense. I mean, food forests is a really big part of, of like the for, forests uh, all around the world are the areas of the world that have the most biodiversity. It's like the most healthy, the most, you know, the most stuff is going on where there's beautiful, like big trees, 
that are kind of the holding up the web of life in a sense. And they're, they're so abundant. They give so much food and so much life to oh, so much of the animal world. And so it's helping nature, you know, create that, like creating forests. I mean, does that not sound fun to people? Like how cool would it be to create a forest, like be a part of making a forest that in 30 years from now you go back to it and there's like a, like a, also, not only are there forests, there's all these other complementary plants and animal lives that come now and birds start showing up and mammals start showing up. And I mean, it's like, imagine creating like an oasis from your own doing. I mean, to me, that that's, it gives, in the words of my good friend, uh, Gary Baker, you know, that gives me a spiritual heart on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like the Garden of Eden you're describing. Yeah, and it's possible, man. It's not that's not just some like fantastic dream, man. You can actually do it, and it's just about having getting the knowledge and the will to make it happen. And and there's, I want to help instruct. You know, I want to help. I want to help educate people on how to do that. I want to help. You know, I was in the landscape world for so long, and I want to help other people that are in the landscaping world understand that there's even a better way of doing this. You know, like the, the, the chemicals, like the Roundup, take Roundup, like everyone in the landscape world spraying weeds. It's just like fight against the kill all the fucking weeds because we don't like the way they look and are pretty like on terror. Yeah, man, it's exactly. It's really just funding corporations who sell the weapon. Yeah, we've kind of been brainwashed to look the, the way we see the weeds, for example, and now we're in, in so doing, we're spraying very toxic chemicals, you know, Roundup is, is literally like poisoning our water, it's poisoning our soil, it's not good for us, man, we didn't it just, it's not to be judgmental about it, it's just, just understand, I didn't know, I used to spray a shit ton of Roundup, I mean, I've sprayed a lot of Roundup in my day, and I, because I just didn't know. I just didn't know, man. And now I know, and now I'm going to, I'm going to do better, you know, and I'm going to help others around me just see a, a better way that was out there. Not in a judgmental way, like you asshole, yeah. you know, but you know, let's, let's just start educating people so that, that we understand like what is, you know, what we're doing the methods out there. And, and it's not just agriculture you could do this. You could, this, this is seen in almost every industry there is. But when I really think of, you know, how do we change the world, Chance? How do we change it? How do we, how do we create this heaven that you and me see in our minds? Not just us, but so many of us. Well, I think it's, in the, at least in the physical world, it starts with the basic building blocks of life. And that's clean water and, 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 and clean food. I mean, I hate, it's crazy that we even have to say the word clean with food. But just, you know, real like a natural food grown, grown with clean, beautiful, life-giving water. Let's just start there. And we can figure out how to do health insurance later. But let's fucking start with the building blocks of life. Well, we'll be uh, getting rid of the, the source of the problems instead of handling the symptoms. You know, like, you wouldn't need health insurance if you, uh, you wouldn't yeah. think if you were eating the right stuff. Now, that being said, we still need, like, you know, insurance for if we get a broken leg or something that's not something we can fix with the vegetable or is it <laughs> well yeah also, right realities of healing are definitely out there too that's a whole nother can of worms yeah well i'm just in 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 that there it's it's not to you know life is simple but it's also complicated there's a whole lot of us on this planet and we have it's going to take a lot of people to figure out how 
to do things right. I mean, if you had a community of a hundred, I mean, you'd have a hundred voices with differing opinions and you'd have to manage that. But I just feel like, I feel like if we, we as a people can return to like, let's just agree that we got to take care of the planet mm-hmm. and let's just agree that, I mean, I have this vision of a culture that's based around just food and water. I mean, imagine, imagine like a a purposeful life of like uh, living in a village where like the, we, we focus on, you know, just eating really good foods and drinking really clean water, you know, and then sustaining that if we had a, instead of just a society that's built on monetary, you know, gain material possessions, and we create this separation all the time. But I think that if we if we do return to like a focus on an agrarian lifestyle with each with and then combining that with this cosmic technological world that we have, I just feel like the sky's the limit, man. I mean, I think that that's when we do become that interstellar interstellar species that I think we're really destined to become. And um, it's uh, you know it's fascinating to be a part of it, man. Beautiful. All right, Clint, let's, uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up since we did do a dual podcast and uh, people can go definitely. Absolutely. Um, also, make sure everyone go look at lordsofconsciousness.com. Check out some of Clint's work. Listen to other past episodes of his show. as the ones where I'm on there. And, um, you know, if you want to do everybody in your biorhythm a favor, then start trying to figure out the source of things uh, before you put them into yourself. And that includes potentially having to be that source yourself. Like you don't have to grow all your food, but maybe you could start with one thing just to see how you like it. And, uh, or not, you know, let me know how it goes. <laughs> it's so, it's so healing to the soul to be a part of uh, helping something grow. I mean, it's so, it's like so beautiful as part of having children. That's so amazing, but just even caring for a plant and pets too, but even watching it, you know, growing, putting a seed in the soil and being the person that waters it and then watching it unfurl and having that relationship with this very a sentient being, it doesn't speak English and it vibrates at a different frequency in many ways. So it seems slower and unlifelike, but it's alive and it's very, it knows you're there and it, it knows the energy and intention that you have as the steward of that plan. And it's beautiful experience, man, to be a part of that growing process. So grow awesome. something. Awesome. Oh, you heard the man. Get out there and do it. All right. Dude, well, change. Thank you for the opportunity, brother. Yeah, let's do it again soon and let's be in touch more. I know it's hard because we're both busy trying to make it happen, but I love you, brother. This is always. Love you too, man. All right. Absolutely. Well, Thank you, man. All right. Later, dude.